0: Please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language of this podcast are of an adult nature and can be disturbing, frightening, and even in some cases, offensive. Therefore, listener discretion is advised. Hey, there is very adult content ahead of you, and you have been warned. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I'm your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the weird, wonderful, unexplained, eerie, scary, and downright unbelievable. There will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and unexplained mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's dark enigma. Now, before we get started, I'm going to apologize to you because I'm sure you've noticed that I sound a little bit stuffy. That is because I live in Georgia, where day one is snowing and day two is filled with pollen and it is 80 degrees, so my allergies are acting up and therefore I apologize for sounding so terrible, but I have a fabulous story and I wanted to get it out to you, so I'm going to do the best that I can for you. So... On today's Dark Enigma, we're going to be exploring a little bit different type of a story. This one is full of terrors and dark stories, but we're going to get to that in just a minute. Today, we're going to be talking about the phenomenon that is known as the Black-Eyed Children. Now, some of you may have heard the tales before, some of you may not. Either way, we're going to be jumping into it head first. But as always, we do have some business to address first. That's right, heathens. Time for the drinking game again. But again, that is only for those of you that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. And this time, mostly because I feel like crap, I went very simple. So, anything with black vodka. That's right. If you've never heard of it before, oh my god, treat yourself because it's awesome. And I did include a link for a black magic martini that is totally delish and yummy and you'll love it. But much like today's topic, they are super delicious, but they are extra creepy. Now for the game part. Every time I say black eyed, will be a single shot. And every time I say psychic, we'll do that one as a double shot. Alright, now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma. Imagine sitting in your living room, relaxing, drink in hand, maybe you're watching some television or maybe just reading a book. Your eyes start to feel a little bit heavy, and maybe you even begin to doze off, the strain of the day slowly fading away as your eyes begin to close. Suddenly, There's a loud knock on the front door, which brings you back to full attention. It's so late. You think that to yourself. Who in the hell could it be? Yeah, someone please insert that minute work song. Who can it be now? Okay. Anyways, you make your way to the door and you peer out. You see a dark silhouette of a very small figure. You open the door thinking it's got to be a child. Well, you're right. It is. But what you've noticed next makes this anything but a normal encounter with a kid. Staring back at you are two eyes. But they aren't the average iris, pupil, or sclera that you are used to seeing. No, these are pure black from lid to lid. Nothing but the moon bounces light off of these deep pools of nothingness. You shudder, trying to take in this unusual sight before you. That's when you realize that standing behind this child is two more figures that you didn't notice. They slowly move forward, their eyes identical to the leader. They wear simple clothing, maybe a solid black hooded sweatshirt that falls baggy over their unusually pale skin when the leader finally speaks. Can we come in? You stare at them dumbfounded. Why would you let a child into your home this late at night? And for that matter, where the hell are their parents? And for some reason, they answer your queries, even though you've never asked them, with a blunt assertion. We're lost. We don't have anywhere to go. Please let us in. You're sweating. You tremble. Adrenaline courses through your veins as you take stock of this situation. They continue staring at you with their soulless eyes. The debate wages in your head of whether or not to slam the door on them or let them in. They're just kids, you say to yourself, aren't they? And the debate wages on. You can feel your heart pounding harder than ever before. Something about this situation is not only unusual, it's downright terrifying. Please let us in. No matter what you do next, it feels like it has to be the wrong answer. You're left in your doorway having just encountered an experience with the black-eyed children. This phenomenon spans continents. And with each passing encounter, these strange children seem to become more and more aggressive. But what exactly is it that they want? And what happens if you do let them in? While once thought to stem from online urban legend, The Black-Eyed Kids became a dark and disturbing sensation. Stories cropping up all over the world, recounting terrifying tales of the children and their devious pleads for car rides or invitations into homes. It was now harder than ever to separate fact from fiction, The Black-Eyed Kids soon falling into the same skeptical box as Slender Man and other legends thought to be created online. And it all seemed to have begun with a singular encounter that sparked the phenomenon. Brian Bethel was a journalist out of Abilene, Texas, which, by the way, guys, I lived in Abilene, Texas for three years. Dias Air Force Base. Best Air Force Base ever. I'm just saying. Anyways, back to the story. So Brian Bethel is a journalist out of Abilene, Texas, And it was believed that the Black-Eyed Kids phenomenon had stemmed from a story that Bethel recounted to colleagues in a personal email almost two years after the incident had occurred. It was 1996, I know, everybody get into the Wayback Machine, when he was on his way to pay an internet bill at a local provider's office. Why he didn't just pay it online? Oh wait, it's 1996, never mind. Okay, He pulled over near a movie theater, using the marquee's light to write his check. It was in this moment when a knock frightened him, a pair of pale knuckles tapping his driver's side window. Bethel looked up to see two young boys with hooded sweatshirts covering their faces. I know, we're going to pause right here, because anytime I see anybody under the age of 18 wearing a hooded sweatshirt scares the crap out of me, too. Never mind. It's 1996. Times were different. Anyways, So a knock frightens him as he sees somebody tapping on his driver's side window. Bethel looked up to see two young boys with hooded sweatshirts covering their faces. An immense rush of fear suddenly came over him. The fear, as Bethel remembered, was incomprehensible at the time. The boy, who seemed to be the leader of the two, had curly hair and an olive complexion. The other boy stood in the background, red hair and freckles, because we all know redheads definitely have no soul. And I'm a redhead, so we can get away with that. Their appearance, though average at first glance, soon sent even more fear through his bones. The boys both had eyes that lacked any substance. They were just large swaths of pitch black. No life to them whatsoever. Frozen in his car, Bethel listened as the leader asked if they could have a ride to their mother's house. They wanted to get money to see a movie at the nearby theater. It won't take long, the boy assured him. We're just kids, he would continue. Though these words were perhaps meant to ease Bethel's obvious terror, it only made him panic even more. He rolled the window up and put the car in reverse, ready to drive off. The boy yelled to him through the window of the car, "'We can't come in unless you tell us it's okay. Let us in!' He drove away, quickly glancing one more time for the boys, but he saw nothing. Within seconds, they had completely disappeared out of sight. After posting the story, wondering what effects this encounter had had on him, Bethel stated, and I quote, "'My sleep was greatly disturbed.' I didn't want to sleep at all, actually. I felt unsafe doing so. I kept having this fantasy of them appearing at the foot of my bed, or waiting outside my door for me when I went outside. It was a rough few weeks, I'll say, and the effects linger to this day. The use of black eyes to symbolize evil has become a common trope in horror films and other media, and I will tell you that every time I see such an image, especially if I'm not expecting it, I flash back briefly to those terrible, agonizing moments in my car. I legitimately did not know if I was going to die or not. I've never been so terrified, end quote. Well, it's easy to write something convincing based on the model of kids knocking on a car window, asking to come in, door opener detects something's wrong, and there's this terrible revelation, you know, rants repeat, whatever. But each story has to be judged on its own merits, and we have to be careful to look for variations and details in order to be skeptical for anyone who's just copying the original story. That said, there are many, many stories that may convince even the most skeptical among us that they just maybe, just maybe, might be very true. So, if true, what exactly are these children? Whether aliens disguised as children hoping to ad- abduct innocent humans, or if they are some sort of soul sucking demons trying to take over a vulnerable host, the possibilities remain endless. Bethel's answer to this very question is most intriguing. He states I don't know for sure. What I do know is that they are predators and we are the food. I don't think that they eat us in any literal sense, but they do want something from us. Maybe they do just want to kill, but I tend to think the design is far more complex than that. Until you've been on the receiving end of those terrible dark eyes, filled with hate and torn from the very depths of night and time, I'm not sure that you can completely understand. The people I've spoken with, who have truly seen them, understand completely. In trying to better understand these accounts, assuming there are general encounters with these children... We start with one of the most comprehensive studies of the black-eyed kids phenomenon to this day. Author David Weatherly compiled an extensive list of experiences with these enigmatic youngsters that he aptly titled in a full-length book, Black-Eyed Children. Weatherly states about these accounts and his approach to disseminating actual testimony from urban legend. One of his goals was that when he wrote the book, he was trying to find out if the encounters predated the internet and television. The trick was, while researching, to eliminate the catchphrases like black-eyed kids or black-eyed children or black-eyed peas. Oh wait, that's not the same thing. Never mind. Those terms are very modern, but but he was able to find a case that certainly goes back through history. And we're going to share it with you now. One of the more stunning accounts that Weatherly came across dated all the way back to 1974, in the Picardy region of Assin, France. According to an early witness report from the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, or NICAP, two men known only as Alain and Patrick were making a leisurely drive through a small vision, a small village. Sorry, I'm having problems. A small village enjoying the autumn weather because that's what French people do. It was around 3 p.m. when they decided to turn around and take a different route. Upon turning, Patrick noticed something near the last house in the village that made him hit his brakes. There in the courtyard of the house were five small figures. Three of them stood in the background, huddled together. Another was tracing its hands along the side of the home. The last figure stood facing Patrick and Elaine. Elaine rolled down his passenger side window to get a better look. He reports that his blood ran cold when faced with the being. The appearance of the five characters was as strange as their behavior. They were all just over four feet tall. They were dressed alike with long garments that almost reached to the ground. These garments were decorated with multicolored spots. The beings themselves had earthly yellow skin and long hair that fell down their backs down to their waist their noses were compressed inwards, and their eyes were described as enormous solid black hemispheres the size of billiard balls. Yeah, multicolored spotted garments. I always thought that people that wore dots were probably inhuman. Anyways, soon the being closest the car began to wave to Patrick and Alan, gesturing to come closer, which, you know, of course we're gonna do, right? Because, wow, Nobody's ever seen a horror movie, right? The motion of the of the being scared Alan so much that he screamed in terror for Patrick to drive away. Am I the only one that pictures him screaming like a girl? Okay, maybe not. Anyways, Patrick hits the gas and they sped out of the area to a nearby town where they told several locals of what they had just witnessed. They returned hours later to find no sign of the small beings anywhere. Eight months later, an investigator finally made it to the scene and spoke with nearby residents. Interestingly, he found a neighbor who had noticed the beings on the road in front of the house. He reported that he thought the beings he saw were children dressed in yellow oilcloth. Well, I had to look that one up because I didn't quite know what it was. But anyways, while this pre-internet account of black-eyed beings was intriguing, it didn't quite fit the mold of the stories that littered online forums and fringe websites. What about the children who begged to be let inside a home? Well, Weatherly would come across a case tossing us all the way back to the 1950s when a young man named Harold would have a startling encounter with a boy with black eyes. So Harold was 16 years old when it happened. He was making the long walk home from a friend's house. As he made his way down a dirt road leading to the entrance, he noticed a small figure leaning against the fence in front of the house as he approached, he noticed that it was a boy. Being a small town where everybody knows everybody, Harold was puzzled because he'd never seen this child before. He immediately started talking to the boy, but received no response. He asked if the boy was all right, and after a moment, the boy finally replied to him, I want to go to your house. Take me to your house. A chill rushed through Harold. He didn't know how to respond, It was in that moment that the boy looked up at him, a pair of solid black eyes staring at Harold with a desperate assertiveness. Harold felt glued to the ground, terrified. He looked up the road, planning to run when the boy immediately shot back. Now don't you run away from me. You're going to walk me to your house. Harold was now feeling threatened. He made a run for it, sprinting up the road, too scared to look back. All he heard was a screeching wail, something like that of a bobcat. Was it the child? No way to know. Was this a wail of anger or not, of, for not listening to his threatening words? Who gives a shit? He wasn't about to stick around and find out, right? The front door to the home flung open as Harold barreled through the entrance. Startled, his parents asked him what was wrong. Struggling to speak, he finally explained what he had seen to his protective father. Soon, the father grabbed a shotgun and headed down the road, desperately searching for this boy, but the only one who thinks he must live in the, so- the South because his dad immediately grabbed a shotgun, yeah, probably in the South. Anyways, there was absolutely no sight of the boy anywhere. The family was left wondering just exactly what it was that Harold had experienced that afternoon. His mother, fearing that it had literally been the devil in disguise, brought Harold to a local clergy and had him blessed, and now we know he is in the South. And with that, the encounter with the screaming boy at the fence came and went with more questions than answers. In all of these cases of Bethel, Patrick, and Alan, and and even Harold, each encounter with these beings brought one singular sensation of pure terror. While strange in scope, these small children, unthreatening in size, more than made up for it with their sinister eyes and unexplainable persuasiveness, In Weatherly's examinations into countless cases involving these black-eyed beings, he was able to find many connections. It was almost as if, feeding off the fear of their victims, these beings were able to read the emotions and minds of those that they approached. In turn, they seemed to either try to calm them down or take the extreme route of threatening them. Either way, their goal of getting closer to the witness, whether in proximity or by literally entering a house Uh, or vehicle was clear and threateningly concise. They wanted in. They wanted in to your home. Or, perhaps even more terrifying, they wanted into the soul of those they came in contact with. There is no arguing that many accounts are complete bullshit fabrications. A digital game of telephone tricking through each online forum, website, and even message board. But the research done by David Weatherly proves that black-eyed beings can be traced back to even that of ancient China, where accounts of a ghostly black-eyed girl were often reported. Angered by her wrongful death, she would haunt local villages, terrorizing vulnerable passerbys, also being a supernatural cause for many natural disasters in the area. Other examples of folklore in Asian culture were also brought to the attention of Weatherly and his researchers one can look at Japanese horror films that were directly inspired by ancient tales of demons and evil spirits, showing us modern-day versions of these apparitions and beings in the form of children with identical black eyes. There's a lot to indicate that these kids may be omens of ill fortune or perhaps warning of coming difficulties. Those who have reported intense and fearful encounters often say that prayer and spiritual protection are what they believed saved them from further consequence. The tradition doesn't seem to matter since reports have come from every religion and every walk of life imaginable. Weatherly would also tell one of the very first accounts of the black-eyed beings. This time, it was the form of a statue. He states, and I quote, I'm very intrigued by the Urfa man found in Gobekli Tepe, a strange humanoid figure carved 13,500 years ago. Whoever made this statue took the time to carve solid black eyes out of obsidian. Countless people who have stood in front of this statue report a creepy, unsettling feeling that they get from being in its presence. I think this builds on the evidence that those black-eyed beings have been visiting the planet for a very long time." Could this lend more credence that perhaps we are in fact dealing with an alien presence rather than an ancient evil or a ghostly apparition? Perhaps it's a mixture of both. Perhaps it's neither. No matter the case, these beings seem pure in their dark intentions. They are dangerous entities, to be sure, but we, are, we have something that they don't, something they desperately want. It could be the light within us, the human soul that they crave, whether they wish to corrupt it or consume it. But it is that very thing that they desire that gives us the edge over them, It is something that they apparently just can't take. Permission has to be given, and in that is our strength. It's good advice in general, but beware who you allow into your life. And don't open doors for just anyone. Be discerning, be aware, and most importantly, be safe. We now return to our hypothetical situation that we found ourselves in at the beginning of today's episode. A child stares up at you, no emotion whatsoever. Their lifeless eyes pierce so sharply into you that you're left paralyzed. You try to speak, but you can't. The children inch forward, their presence altering the entire world around you. With no knowledge of the phenomenon, you have no warning that you may have just sealed your own fate by a simple break of the paralyzation. You open the door a bit wider, stepping to the side. You let the children in. What happens next can only be speculated, but whatever it is, as you close the door behind you, you know this just isn't right. But for some incomprehensible reason, you're left with the dismal sense that you had no choice in the matter. Your life as you know it is now in the cold, pale hands of the black-eyed children. Now that you're completely in their control, how about we take a little break? maybe the black-eyed children will let you join us after the break. Or maybe not. Guess we'll just have to see how that plays out. Hope you make it to the other side of the break, and if so, I will see you there. Uh Uh-oh, someone's at the door. Welcome back, heathens. So, I see you managed to escape the clutches of the black-eyed children. Or did you? Well, we have a few stories to tell of those who did manage to escape. Let's see how they fared and how things stack up for you. Most people refuse the advances of the black-eyed kids, but terrible things can happen to those who acquiesce to their demands. And the black-eyed kids are most definitely malevolent. Yet one may wonder if there are those who have actually managed to fight back against these sinister beings to overcome the supernatural fear they emanate and even manage to chase them off. If some accounts are to be believed, this is not only possible, but has actually happened on some rare occasions. One such survivor spins his tale and claims that he had been approached by a pair of strangers as he sat in his car along a lonely remote road in the U.S., um, particularly the state of Utah. In this case, he claims that he too had stopped to take a short rest while two kids seemingly in their mid-teens, a boy and a girl, materialized out of the night and they approached his vehicle. At first, he was worried that they might be lost, as it was out in the middle of nowhere and there was pretty much nobody else around for miles. So I'm going to stop right here and say that a lot of these stories tend to happen in cars, in the middle of nowhere, and people are always by themselves. I'm just going to say how many people out there are just alone in their cars doing absolutely nothing. I mean, all right, there's the occasional pervert that's yanking one out. I get that. But seriously, how many people are just sitting in their cars in the middle of fucking nowhere, there's nobody around, and they're just sitting in their car, just parked? Seriously. I'm just going to say, you know, first and foremost, we're all about the safety here at Renegade Talk Radio, so I'm just going to point out that fresh air kills. So get your fucking ass in the house. Stop fucking around in your car, get in the house, okay? Alright, never mind. Let's go back to the story. I'm sorry. Alright, so... The boy and the girl materialize out of the night, and they approach the vehicle. At first, he was worried that they might be lost, and it was in the middle of nowhere, and there was nobody else around for miles. Okay. He rolls down his window to get a better look at them, because, you know, windows, you can't see through them, and you got to roll them down to see them. It's kind of like when you're driving and you're trying to find something, you got to turn the radio down because you can't read with the radio on. <clears throat> so he rolls down the window to get a better look at them, thinking that he would call out to ask if they needed help. However, things became a bit unsettling as they approached his vehicle. He claims that the kids seemed to be wearing very old-fashioned clothing, although he was uncertain from which era it could have been from. They were both remarkably pale to the point that they almost seemed to emanate a faint glow from their skin in the moonlight and both had odd-looking bowl-style haircuts that, for some reason, put the, the witness ill at ease. I'm just going to say, pretty much a bowl haircut. Yeah, I'm going to be like, fashion victim. Okay, never mind. Anyways, <clears throat> slightly unnerved, he nevertheless called out to the two and asked if something had happened to them and if they were in need of assistance. The boy merely replied, yes, please, as the two closed the distance and that was when it was noticed that both of them had pure black eyes like those of a shark. This realization also happened to coincide with a sudden tingling feeling of dread that sort of spread out through his body like ripples in a pond. Then one of them spoke. The boy allegedly told him that they were lost out of of the desert, and they needed his help. He asked the witness to open the car door and give them a ride to the nearest town, But at this point, the witness claims that he was overwhelmed with a sheer wall of fear and the potent urge to get away from there as fast as he could. Yet, he also found that he seemed to be unable to move, as as if he were paralyzed. He would say of this, It was a really strange sensation. Every fiber of my being was screaming to get the hell out of there, but I was, I don't know how to describe it, sort of transfixed, hypnotized, whatever. Anyway, there wasn't a chance I was going to open that door, but I couldn't move to get my car started either. I was like a prisoner in my own skull looking out. And that window was still rolled down, nothing separating me from that freaky kid's face leering just outside. The witness says that through sheer will he was able to move his arm slowly towards the window, but that it was as if a massively heavy weight were attached to it. He supposedly had to lean a bit with his body as he inched his limb closer to the car door, and that the whole time the two kids just stared at him quizzically, as if they were somehow amused by it all. As the witness leaned and tried to work his arm, he says that something very strange happened indeed. He would claim, and I quote, The whole time, neither of the kids had made any move to come closer or force their way in, like there was some kind of invisible wall there where my window would have been. Then I was sort of rocking back and forth and leaning, trying to get my goddamn arm to move, and some part of my clothing must have passed that unseen barrier because that was when the boy, quick as a whip, snagged my jacket with his hand and at the same time smiled. I tell you, I will never forget that smile. His teeth, they were like they were made out of metal gleaming and that was what I think snapped me out of it, those teeth. The weight that had been holding me down was lifted and I shoved that sucker as hard as I could. The boy apparently was surprised by this sudden push, letting go and stumbling back with a look of shock on his face. In the meantime, the witness started up his car, not sure of whether he would soon be paralyzed again. When he looked up, he claims that the same boy had somehow appeared in front of the vehicle and stood there as if trying to keep him from leaving. Like, okay, side note, I'm going to say that if you look creepy as fuck and you stand in front of my car, you're going to be a hood ornament. So just get the fuck out of the way because I'm going to hit you. Okay, back to the story. The girl was apparently off to the side a bit, but staring intently with a look of anger on her face. In a panic, the witness says he flirted anyway, but that the boy did not budge because that's what I would have done. He would explain, I tore off, but that kid stood his ground and thumped off my bumper. I wasn't going very fast at that point, but enough to mess someone up, you'd think. But when I looked in my rear view, I swear that kid was getting up and dusting himself off like it was no big thing. I just got the hell out of there and didn't look back again. I'll never forget the whole thing. It was like a nightmare, and I still wonder what would have happened to me if I'd actually given them the ride like they wanted. There are scattered other accounts floating about out there of others who claim that they've managed to successfully fight back against the black-eyed kids as well. One was posted on a thread on the site Thought Catalog by a commenter called Bloody Bones. He claims that one year at around Halloween he had decided to go down to the corner store and as he did so he happened to see two teens of around 14 years of age knocking on somebody's door to ask to use the phone. This struck him as odd, as it's an era where almost every single kid has a smartphone, and asking somebody use to use their phone just seems unusual. Anyways, he passed by the house, and at that point, the kids turned to stare at him as he went by with an unsettling gaze. The witness hurried to the store, and when he looked back, he says that they were following him. When he rushed into the store, the cashier seemed concerned, and the witness told him what had just happened. The cashier then explained that he had. that he'd had some incidents like this in the past and he advised the witness to never agree to help these mysterious people at that point they noticed that the two teens were lurking right outside the door to the shop but they weren't trying to enter just loitering about asking to be let in even though the shop was open and there seemed to be nothing stopping them the cashier then locked the door just to make sure and the witness would say of the odd events that unfolded the teens never seemed to waver or leave They wouldn't step away from the door. It had been an hour. The cashier and I were ready to fight our way out, but instead, he took me out the back. The one team came back around the back just as the door shut behind us. Can you help me, is all he would say. He was closing in on us, and his eyes. They were black as a starless night. They were peering right into my soul. I couldn't help but gaze into his eyes. The terror. I can't remember too much of what happened next, but I do recall the sounds of struggle. When I came to, the cashier was struggling with both teens. He was calling out to me for help. I ran towards them, grabbed him by his collar, and pulled him between the two, and knocking them over in the process. I didn't look back until I was near my house. The cashier was gone, but the teens were still following behind me. I ran into my house, closed the blinds, and turned the music way up. (laughs) Adding to the creepiness of it all, the witness went back to the store the following day to thank the cashier for saving his life but he had not shown up for work, and the owner of the store said that he had quit and was in the process of moving out of town. From then on, the witness claims to have been plagued by the sense of being watched, and says that even even he can see the kids on the periphery of his vision sometimes, or watching his house from across the street. It is certainly an eerie account to be sure, but is it just a spooky story, or is there really anything to it? Who knows? One more harrowing account, and I like this one, was reported in the, on the website Weak and Weird, was allegedly experienced by a U.S. Marine stationed at a barracks in Texas. Why does all this stuff seem to happen in Texas, Utah, Nevada, and all that? What's up with the Southwest? I don't know. Maybe, maybe some of our Indian listeners will tell us if there's some kind of story or legend that we're missing on this one. Send me a note. Let me know. Because I want to know. I'm interested. Anyways, so he's stationed at a barracks in Texas. Um, one quiet evening something very strange happened indeed of which the witness would say and I quote I am 6'7". Yeah I'm definitely not 6'7". I'm like 5'2". Anyways but he's 6'7". 260 pounds airman who was prior special forces. So he's basically saying he's a tall badass. About a month ago while stationed at a base in, a, in Texas that I will not disclose I was up drinking a beer when I heard a knock on the dorm door. I got up out of bed thinking it was my it was my piss mate. I'm not sure what that's supposed to be. I think it's his bunkmate, but piss mate. And since we have Jack and Jill-styled bathrooms connecting our rooms, I opened our bathroom door. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Piss mate, because they share a bathroom. I get you. Okay. I opened our bathroom door, and there was nothing. Being confused as hell, I heard this sharp rapping on my door again, so I look out the peephole. Now the hole being quite settled halfway down the door, I had to bend down to take a look through it. Standing in front of me was a boy who looked about 17 or 18 at the most. I asked, what's up? And he looked up with a smile that I can only describe as partially cruel and hungry looking. Partially cruel and hungry looking. Hmm. Don't know what that means. With a gaunt face, the boy asked me if he could use my phone. I said, sorry, bud, I'm about to go to sleep. So try the SP building across the parking lot. Closed the door, thought nothing of it. He knocked again, and I walked over to my window, this time to intimidate the boy into leaving me be. I pulled my blinds up and looked straight at him. He looked up at me. I'd say he was about maybe 5'9", about 140 pounds, really gaunt and frail looking guy. Believe me when I say I don't scare easily, but something about him made me feel uneasy as all hell. He looked up at me and asked if he could come in again, and that's when I saw his eyes. They were empty-looking coals, and a smile crept to his mouth, that same hungry, predatory smile. I felt goosebumps on my legs and back. Something wasn't right. I said to him, I'm going to tell you one more time before I kick your ass to get lost. I turned around to get my phone and looked back, and he was gone. At this point, the witness said he was overcome by an intense feeling of kid somewhere before. After pondering it for a while, he realized that he had indeed seen the same kid two years prior while he was with his brother. They had been working at a gas station at the time when that kid had walked across a four lane highway to step up to the door and stand there staring at them. When they had asked what he wanted, the kid had apparently asked to use their phone, but they refused. The kid had then drawn closer, and the two witnesses had backed away to go into the building, feeling a sense of danger, even though the kid was quite frail-looking. This creepy kid, who they could, could see had a pale white face and pure black eyes, then stood right outside the glass door knocking on it for about five minutes. Having enough of this, the brother had then picked up a baseball bat and rushed outside to confront the stranger, but the kid had disappeared. For some reason, the memory had been repressed, But his encounter at the barracks had brought it all back to him, and he was convinced that it was the exact same kid, and that his brother had successfully chased him off. Well, anyways, the black-eyed kid phenomenon has certainly generated its fair share of frightening and creepy reports over the years. And it seems as though the mythology around them has grown and evolved to the point where it is very difficult to tell where any reality ends and pure urban legend begins. It all seems like a modern day boogeyman tale that very often smacks of myth and folklore. Yet, for those who say that they've encountered these beings, it all seems very real indeed. And if real, it seems that the black eyed kids are a frightening force to be reckoned with, but a force that as we've seen here, can be perhaps pushed back and even thwarted. Whether any of these accounts are true or not, it all manages to weave more threads into the complex and spooky tapestry of the Black-Eyed Kids legends. And with that, we've come to the end of our episode, and I do thank you for joining me today. I do hope that you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think about this. As always, you can reach the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you've got any answers to the questions, send them my way because I love hearing from you guys. And if you do have a suggestion for a future show, or if you have a story of your own, send it on over. I would be happy to hear it. And I do read all my emails and I do respond. If you haven't gotten a response from me, it's because I've been sick lately. So I will get to you. Don't panic. And just drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. On that note, that's all the time we have for today. So thank you for joining us here on Renegade Talk Radio. And hey, don't forget to tune in next time. See you later, my heathens. And don't forget, don't let them in.